This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. The sermon for the 19th Sunday after Trinity is according to St. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 9, verses 1 through 8. It's, not, it's a bummer that today isn't Reformation Sunday, because I'd be killing it with this reading for Reformation Sunday. So, because the Lutheran Reformation is summed up in the Gospel lesson. Not only that, every error and misrepresentation of Jesus is also represented in here as well. For a Lutheran pastor, this is gold. Consider this. As we think of all the gospel lessons we've heard, you know, over the, 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 following, the previous weeks, we've read about some pretty amazing miracles Jesus has performed, haven't we? Not just today either, right? You know, when you think about it, what are some of the miracles Jesus performed? See if I'm not up here totally alone. What's some of the miracles Jesus performed? Water into wine. I like that. That's our favorite one. Water into wine, obviously. I love that one. He's at a wedding. It's good times. And what else? Lazarus. Raising Lazarus. That's no shabby miracle right there. Right? So we've seen some things. The scriptures have borne witness to Jesus doing things that are certainly outside our skill set. And I love it. I mean, I listed a few and I let off with the way you guys did. Water to wine. Started with that one. Healing blind people. Deaf, mute people. Remember the woman with the bleeding disorder? We've seen the centurion's servant, Jairus' daughter, the man with dropsy, a.k.a. edema, the demon-possessed person, Peter's mother-in-law. He fixed the ear of the guard that even Peter chopped off. And let us not forget, as you guys reminded me, Lazarus. So, we like it when Jesus does stuff like that. As a matter of fact, a good deal of so-called Christians bet the entire farm on that being the reason Jesus came. How many times have we heard these jokers on TV? I'm not allowed to watch them anymore, but I remember. Because I get too upset. I've said this before. Christy's like, stop it! But they say they're talking about Jesus giving you your best life now. That they promise you that if you really have faith, you won't be sick anymore. If you really have faith, you won't be poor anymore. You won't have pain anymore. Some of them say you won't even sin anymore. That you won't have need at all. In reality, you won't even need Jesus at this rate. Sorry, that's why I'm not allowed to watch those shows. You see that vein? Right there in my forehead. The rest of your life will be spent under the yoke, the harness of keeping up with this facade that you're actually um, a non-sinning, perfect person. Living your life like you are healthy, wealthy, and wise. And sadly, if I may, can we talk? We've all done it. We come to church and tell everybody that everything's wonderful. Everything's fine. My life is great. There's no bumps on this Hoffman Highway. Right? 
and you tell people, and, we, and, and we're, we're gullible enough to go, oh, that's wonderful. And we actually believe it. Like, everything is fine. And knowing full well our lives are a mess. This idea that Jesus came just to fix us and teach us how to live, the how-to ultimately points the finger, the onus, the responsibility of good on who? You. When Jesus came and for those who believe that he simply came to give you basic instructions before leaving earth, Bible, that the show of his love is by giving you health, wealth, and prosperity. These are the sacraments. These are the gifts. These are the hopes of the wealth seekers, of the health seekers, and not the Jesus seekers. As we consider Mark's and Luke's account of this event even, we see the second kind of interpretation. You'll remember that when uh, they attempted to see Jesus, do you remember the house was full of people, so what did they do with the guy? Lowered him through the roof. That's what I call motivation. That's what I want. I want those friends. Hey, man, Hoffman's doing pretty bad. <laughs> Lower him down. I wouldn't ask any friend to do that. I weigh more than most of my friends. So you see that they, they actually bring him through the roof. They brought him down. And well, unfortunately, a lot of people think that's the important thought. That they had their come-to-Jesus moment. <laughs> that Jesus only helped those who... Oh my goodness, I love asking you guys questions. I did this at the pastor's conference and they looked at me like I was insane. You want me to talk? Yeah, because actually we believe this stuff, so we can engage. And so they say that they'll help those who help themselves. They had this, this bizarre thought, like, uh, which is not Christian, but it's actually a pagan story about Hercules, if you ever want to talk to me about pagan mythology. In the end, these poor people suffer with the onus or responsibility of faith on themselves. That's right, on you. You constantly have to ask the question, I accepted Jesus, but did I really accept him in my heart? Did I really mean it? Am I sure I did everything just right? Was my obedience level a 10? The sacrament given to these people is self-confidence in our own strength and reason. So, I'll come back to this killing it on non-Reformation Sunday. What was the Reformation all about? St. Matthew confesses it here. And behold, some people brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. 
to this broken man, a man with no strength to rise and walk, to come to Jesus, a man who required the strength and mercy of others, externos, outside of us, to even appear before Jesus is met with the full force of the kingdom of God, meaning the forgiveness of sins. He didn't bring himself to Jesus any more than you or I do. But wow, what an answer from the Lord of heaven and earth. What an answer to see to this broken person saying, your sins are forgiven. <sighs> That's the Reformation. We're fallen, we're broken. We don't always say and do the right thing. We don't have a pile of money, at least I don't. If you do, let me know, I'd like to see it. We don't always have the best health, do we? Most importantly, we don't have the I came to Jesus. We don't accept him. In reality, we know that even the simplest reading of the small catechism says, I, by my own strength or reason, cannot come to Jesus Christ or believe in him, but the Holy Spirit has called me by the gospel and enlightened me with his gifts. Jesus is doing this. Forgiveness and faith. These are the real gifts. And in this fellowship of this faith, Christ brings these gifts to you in words of holy absolution, in the water and the word of God in holy baptism, in the very body and blood of Jesus Christ given and shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. Jesus came and died for you on the cross, not because you're perfect, we were joking about it in Bible study today. Jesus didn't come for good people. He'd have been a broom by himself. He came because you are not good enough, not worthy enough, because you are broken and fallen. He came because you need him, because you are lost and condemned creatures. Because you need him to do it. That's why he did it, because you needed it. And still do. He didn't do it so that you would spend the rest of your life trying to ascend to him by your own righteousness and goodness. You are not rescued because God needed people to perform endless amounts of works to appease him because he is somehow lonely or lacking and to give him uh, as though he lacked pleasure or glory, that you and I might give it to him. That sounds weird, I know, but I've heard it. No, God did it all. He did simply because he's God and because he loved you first. John 3.16 is like, boom! The gospel is nothing other than God for his people, giving to his people. God giving you to you all things that you need and don't deserve and couldn't afford them even if you did. That you are fallen and broken people who have an advocate to the Father who says, forgive them, Father, and he does. As Martin Luther once wrote, gospel is a Greek word. And means in Greek, good message, good tidings, good news, a good report, which one sings and tells with rejoicing. So when David overcame the great Goliath, 
There came among the Jewish people the good report and encouraging news that their terrible enemy had been smitten and they had been rescued and given joy and peace and they sang and danced and were glad for it. So the gospel, he continues, too, is a good story and report sounded forth into all the world by the apostles telling of a true David who strove with sin, death, and devil and overcame them and thereby rescued all those who were captive in sin, afflicted with death and overpowered by the devil. He made them righteous, gave them life and saved them so that they were given peace and brought back to God. For this they sing and thank and praise God. And there are, they are glad forever. If only they believe firmly and are steadfast in faith. It occurs to you, or it should, that you are the recipients of God's great grace. This great mercy, this great hope against hope. When bodies fail, and they do, when finances wane, and they will, when people let you down, and I don't need to complete that sentence, when you let people down, you, alas, are not doomed. You are not alone. The confessions of a broken sinner are heard and answered with, I forgive you. Not, I'll forgive you if, dot, dot, dot. Or, I forgive you but, dot, dot, dot. There is no other shoe to drop. His word is good. His word is final. His word is your comfort, your grace, your peace, and your hope. Another reason we rejoice in saying... This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. Please rise. The peace of God which passes all understanding will guard and keep your hearts and your minds. In the one true faith, in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.